What are you afraid of? Scared you go there and find out that he doesn't love you anymore, honey. You can't control that. The only thing you can control is how you feel. Not how you feel, but how you deal with what you feel that is real. You've got to relax, relate, and release into reality. What was that like, being in therapy? Uh, Were you, what did you talk about that you had never acknowledged to yourself or talked talk? I grew so much from the experience. But I think the most important thing I got is that everything is connected. I mean, if I have a problem, I usually just go to church, give me some Jesus, <laughs> and I'm cool. I come to you hungry and tired. You give me food, let me sleep. I come to you weak. You give me strength, and that's deep. You call me a sheep and lead me to green pastures, only asking that I keep the focus in between the chapters. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Black in Therapy, where we are discovering journeys, dismantling myths, and declaring our truth. It's Sarah Ashley here, and I'm here with my dope co-host. What's up, y'all? You normally introduce me. Don't look at me like that. You normally say you're here with your dope co-host, Donna, and I'd be like, hey, y'all. Happy Friday or Monday whenever you're listening to this. <laughs> so, a lot is going on today. A lot is going. A lot has happened in the last week. A yes. lot has happened. Um, so, we're going to dive into some current events really briefly. And, um, yeah, so let's do this. So... Not first and foremost, because we have bigger news that I want to end with. Um, but the first thing I do want to talk about today is um, Jenny Ma and Young Jeezy getting married. Um, I don't care about interracial dating. Like, mm -hmm. I don't care. Like, you know, when I think about marrying somebody, like, I always do think about marrying a black man, a mm -hmm. black king. You know, I, I do think about that. But I don't oppose interracial dating or marriages. Like, it is, mm -hmm. it's your choice. Like, do what you right. want to do. Like, love wins. And if you're in love, then. Right. More power to you. <laughs> Not the black power. <laughs> um, but you know, so that's my that's my take on it. Um, but it, I don't. So I don't care that she's Asian and he's black. Like that's mm -hmm. not my issue. My issue is that on her talk show a few years ago, she made statements about um, her preference. And, oh, this and, was years ago that she said this. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because does that does that matter if that's like your matter of fact opinion? I mean, well, what, what did she say? So they were asking her about interracial dating, mm -hmm. yada, yada, yada. Well, not even interracial because she wasn't even dating an Asian man. I guess she didn't even look to date an Asian man because she was married to a white man mm -hmm. prior to Young Jeezy. But she made the statement that um, they were questioning her about it. And she was like, well, I like my dirt meat on the side. Mm -hmm. Like, I play with it. Like, I mm -hmm. play. Those are, you know, I play with black men. They're good for, you know, mm -hmm. I guess sex to be playing. and mm -hmm. But nothing serious. Like, when it comes down to it. I want my white meat as the main course. Mm -hmm. Meaning, like, I can play with y'all black men, mm -hmm. but when I get ready to settle down, when I get ready to be serious, then I want a white man. Okay. Um, I just feel like, hopefully, Young Jeezy had that conversation with her. Because, like, again, black men are suave. Black men are, like, mm -hmm. kings. So, like, you know, 
you know, met this black king and it was all of a sudden like, oh yeah, well, next what I said, I was playing. Like, were you playing mm-hmm. or Did were you- Did she say anything publicly on that or no? She had it just spoken kind of like to- resurfaced? Yeah. It, of course, black right. Twitter went off when she married this man. Right. Like, don't forget, Jeezy. Like, don't forget right. this is your wife. Like, but I also think, so my opinion is that I feel like people like to bring up things that people have said, people have done in the past and it's kind of like- I know that I've done so many things. Like, I'm not that person no more. I may have different preferences. I may have different... Th- like, I'm just so much different than I was. So, I can't imagine being on a talk show or a podcast and saying something. And then, you know, five years later, someone is holding it against me. Because trust me, it happens to celebrities every day. And people get, you know, fired f- for it or whatever the case may be. But I don't think... I think because she is... Um, a minority I think that it may it doesn't seem as bad to me like if it was a white woman that said it I feel like it may have come off a little bit different but I just kind of feel like people preferences are what their preferences are because if I would have said something like that like would it have been different like you could play if you if you want to have side men as black men what if I want to have side men as white men and only like you know what I'm saying I just feel like I don't I think a preference is a preference I don't think that but now your preference has changed like would you date the same? No, man, I wouldn't. Would no. you date the same people that you dated five? I'm not saying I would date the same people, but I'm saying I still have the same type. But I, the, people types change all the time. Okay, but Green, I think I think for me the issue is that there's always been that rift between Asians and and and, and Black Americans, right? Mm-hmm. There's always been that like little issue, right? That underlying issue. I'm not saying is 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 you know for everybody has an issue, but there has mm-hmm. been an issue. So for her to say that, I think that's coming from somewhere though. Mm-hmm. I don't think she just was like, like I think mm-hmm. that's a belief system that is rooted in something, right? And so it it's not been. just it's it not just been. her talking, you know, ish on the show. It's like right. you really probably feel somewhere deep down inside that black men, because that's the way we are viewed by a lot of Asian people, right. that we are less than. Right. So you can play with these black men, you can sleep with these black men, you can get that good black D. But, you but you're not going to marry right. this black man because what? That's not, that's shameful. Or that, right. This is not, he's not good enough to marry you. Right. He's good enough to sleep with you, but he's not good enough to marry you. Like make that make right. sense for me. I think that so if I think she would have said somewhere. all that, it would have, I think if she would have said like all of that, because that's, that, that may and probably could have been what she meant. But since she just, she made it like, you know, black men on the side, I don't think I, it could have been rooted somewhere. But again, I just think like, think of how much. We have had to like adjust and change the or the belief systems that was put on us, especially when it comes to like mental health. Just think about all the things, all the right, myths that we had to bust. So she may have to have went to that same thing. We don't know what her, what people taught her, what her Asian upbringing had been all her life when when it came to black people or black men or marriage or whatever. Because right. we know she always talk about how my mama, like you know whatever was ingrained in her. So I just feel like sometimes I feel like we just hold people up to these standards because it's just like if I would have said something like that, it. Like y'all holding these people. No, up my to challenge. Is, I would have challenged you on it though. When you, if you would say like, "Oh, I white men is just my side pieces." When you got with a white man, if you brought a white man to me, I would pull you to the side and be like, "Well, Donna, did anything change?" Because my thing is, or what did change? Mm-hmm. And for him, like, I hope that you had that conversation with her because I would challenge that. Like, mm-hmm. what's different about me? I'm a black right. man because I got money. Right. I mean, it could have been. It, I mean, again, you know what I mean. So been, but I just think we hold. I hope they went to the therapy. I, it's not even about a standard. She said it. It's not about a standard. She said it. So right, but she could have changed. But like, it's just kind of like 
Like, does she now, if someone brings it up, does she now have to say, oh, yeah, like, that's how I thought then, and this is how I think now. It changed. Like, simple as that. I don't feel like, I feel like, is I it, think when we deal with race, I think things are deeper than that. Like, I think it's a little bit, like, for us to say, like, But it wasn't myself, a race, it wasn't something it was, that was. It was. I play with black men, and I will marry a white man. She didn't say that, though. That's she did. Thing. I want my black meat on the side. I can play with black men, because cause Tamar was about to go in. Mm -hmm. You gotta watch the clip. Tamar re-exed her, like, what are you saying? And she said, I can play with black men on the side, mm -hmm. but when it comes down to being marrying me in series, I want a white man. That's what she said. Okay, because that's her Twice. Or is it, and it's probably rooted in something. So that's my thing. Right. If I was Jeezy, I, she would have, I would have to go to counseling. Like, if you was made a white man and you saw the video from years ago and he like, oh, I, I play with these black girls on the side, but y'all about to get married. What would you think? I would think that, okay, well, did you, like, what has changed? I, obviously, like, that's a conversation they would have, but I just kind of feel like, why do we as the public feel like we need to drag and get stuff out of people? I just feel like if they happy, whatever the case may be, like, that's that's in their relationship. I don't care what her preference is. You know why? Because I, I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. I don't think the remark was, I think it was about her preference. And it could, again, it could have been rooted in something, but I feel like it's more of a preference than, like, her her being, like, black men ain't shit like you know what i'm saying i don't feel like i feel like if she says something to me again i didn't see the clip so maybe i feel maybe like she was but. i feel like it was and this is my opinion i feel like it was rooted in something deeper i feel like when especially like you know i don't i think we're looked down as less than i think mm -hmm. we are looked down as less than i mean than yes that's that's a fact their culture sure. like i do think that and it's like that's a relationship that needs to be mended because i think and to the point we i made a couple episodes ago people are expected we're expected to show up for them but it's like What's that relationship really like? Mm -hmm. And it's um, interesting to see how she will show up for the black community as she has a black husband. As you know, black people are still... Um, and again, I'm not really familiar with Jeannie Mai, so I don't know how much she does or how much she, you know, talks about stuff in the black community. But, I mean, I hope to see that, that too as she has... A, I mean, I know that I don't think she wants children, so I think I that's mean, she didn't want children, but... Out of yeah, I mean, question, but... I just feel like I hope Jeezy went to therapy with her and... You know, her thoughts are no longer those thoughts, really. Because, like, you know, you got money, Jeezy, and... Yeah, it could have been it, but, I mean... Jeannie got a little bit of dollars. Or her ex husband took her for probably half of what... She didn't know that was going to happen, either. She was talking. did he? She said he came into the relationship with more than she did, but when, you know, being on the real, she got more money. And when they got a divorce, because in California, your spouse gets half. And he took half. And now he's with somebody else with a baby. So, mm. we'll see. I don't know. We'll keep up with it. Mm. Well, not that we care that much, but. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so, next, the head coach from University of North Carolina, the first black head coach of the basketball team, was interviewed about his experience of being the, I'm playing with this, I know. I'm like, are you nervous? Like, what's going on I'm with not. you? <laughs> his experience of being the first um, black head coach of um, UNC and UNC is a big, you know, major mm -hmm. school when it comes to, like, NCAA and all those things. Um, and so he went on and on about how he was proud to be the first black coach and he knew what mm -hmm. it meant and yada, yada, yada. And then he said, but I'm also proud of my white wife. White wife? White wife. Hmm. And again, I don't care about interracial dating. I really don't in marriages. You don't care? I mean, we're going to have to explore that. Like, I don't care. I don't. Like, it doesn't. Like, do you support it or you just like, okay, like you don't, I feel like. It's not for me to support. I feel like I have like a, it's not for me to support. Like if you go in love who you love, like my preference is to date a black man 
um, because I want my kids to be black and to be... They're going to be black because you're black, but okay. And, no, but I want them to be black. Um, <laughs> you black, so I your know, kids going to be black. I want my kids to be black. Fully um, black. I want my kids to look like me. And not necessarily they, features, but I mean like, look like me. You want them to be brown? Yes. No, I don't, no, I don't, I'm not into color. Like, I don't care about, like, I just want my kids to look like me. But when you say look like me, you're not talking about features, you're talking about color. I just want to marry a black man and have black babies. I just, I don't want to, like, I don't know how else to explain it. I want my <laughs> kids to be a reflection of my black husband and me. Like, that's what I want. Color-wise. I, but I'm not a colorist. I don't care if my kids are light-skinned or dark-skinned. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not a colorist. I mm-hmm. just want my kids to reflect who I am. Interesting. I feel like that's kind of, I don't want to dive into that, but that make me think, like, reflect who you are, but not necessarily feature-wise. Does that mean, like, you want them to be some shade of brown? Like, you want them to make sure... Some hue of brown. Okay. I mean, that's fair. I want a brown kiss, too. I mean, I feel like, again, it's a preference. I don't feel like there's anything wrong with that, but... Go ahead. I'm not trying to be like I'm not not trying to talk about it. I just mm-hmm. feel like I want my kids to be a reflection of my black husband and myself. And and it's, I don't think I mean they're gonna be a reflection of you regardless because you're going to be half. That's why I was just trying to ask for clarification because when you said like a reflection of me, like you want them to behave like you, like you know, I want brown babies no matter what the hue, <laughs> no matter what the shade of brown is. Okay, that's fair. Is that fair? Like, I, yeah, I, I mean, I just wanted to know what you meant by that. But I want brown babies, like in, a, in any shade of brown, mm-hmm. dark brown, light brown, just brown. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's me. But he wanted to emphasize his white wife. Yes. I mean, why? I and we kind of talked about this a little bit. Is like, do you feel like when you are um unapologetically black but you're connected to a white person that you have to include them in it like because you're in an interracial relationship that you have to include the white connection that you have or the asian connection or whatever the connection is that is other than you do you feel like you have to like yes you can't be unapologetically black so i think so one i think like for example you know people who are like black power black Blackity black black like mm-hmm. natural like all you know the people that I don't really know the correct term for people but um like me and my me and my friends like you just know the people that are just a little bit more into their kind of culture and their and not to say you more into it but like for example the people that like you might wear afro some people would never wear afro like people who are like want to be more in touch with like their African or you know side mm-hmm. right so I think the people that show up that way. If they had a significant other that was a different race, I think that at any point, a per a, get an interview, someone would ask them about it, right? So if I'm a black power to the people, also you know putting all this effort into black movements and stuff like that, and I am with a significant other who is white or or another race, that's gonna be a conversation that you know some an interviewer may ask. So my thought is is that maybe he felt like he had to like put that in there because it's like oh. Like, why not? Because I mean, not to say that I don't see why he did it, but my thought is just that people would probably ask anybody who was also black, like, oh, you so black, like how, 
you know, tell me how your interracial relationship kind of coincides with your, not that it, not that it matters, but that's, I just feel like something that people ask people in so, general. I think that would, that would have been cool if the question was asked them, right? Right. But no one asked. Nobody asked. So it's just like, oh, I'm proud, 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 proud. And I'm proud of my white and wife. And what is there to be proud Like, what do you mean? Of? Like, just say you probably, like, what does her whiteness with- have to do with being proud of her? Like, I wouldn't say I'm proud of my black friend, Donna. Like, I'm proud of my friend, Donna. Like, why do we right. have to emphasize her race? Like, Or what was why the- do we have to be proud of our wives when we talk about our careers? Like, I don't, like, yeah, like say what that she, she have to do with it? for him? So it's like, does it, do you feel like I, when you are, and I guess it's a question we have to ask somebody in their inter- interracial relationship, like, do, can you be unapologetically yourself? Like, mm-hmm. is it uncomfortable? Because even when I was doing an interview the other day and a lady asked me about, like, is your focus on black children? And I had to tell her, like, I will service anybody, mm-hmm. but I am unapologetically concerned about the black children in this community. Right. Unapologetically. And it was awkward because this is a white woman interviewing me, but the truth of the matter is that I am unapologetically for black people and right. for these black children and making sure these black children in my city have services that they may not be able to have outside of their hope or outside of you being their therapist. Mm-hmm. So, but do we... Can a person be authentically, unapologetically who they are when they are in relationships with people from another race? Mm. That's the question we had to shit, save and ask. Y'all know friends. my favorite line. Let me write that down. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I hope you have an opinion site. Let me put that in my phone for, for another topic to discuss another time because that is something that I wonder if people live in their truth in that way because, you know, we are all about living in our truth every mm-hmm. every single day. So we want to, I, I mean, that is a question that I would wonder, but I, I also feel like, sir, I'm you like, shouldn't be proud of your wife, period. When this this is about you, why Nobody would you? Uh, why would you be proud of your purple wife? I don't know what your <laughs> wife had. To, what your wife had to do with it? Maybe people maybe feel she like supported him. And not my family or not my wife. I don't even know why. He, maybe like my wife has supported me or my wife has done. I don't. Or know. Maybe he's just not comfortable with the whole blackness speech. Like maybe he knows he's the first black head coach, but like maybe he's not comfortable yet with identifying completely with that when he has a white wife i don't know I, I don't think i would be like i'm proud of my white husband like i don't think I'm i would thankful. say i'm like, proud of my husband about being when proud. It comes it's about me. like thank you for supporting me maybe but like right what am is... i so proud of in in another side note today i feel like i get people are proud or or are, are like thankful for their marriages but i just feel like we also emphasize like marriage and relationships i mean maybe they did maybe did that help you was she was you shooting in the gym? Like, make it make sense <laughs> about how your relationship and how your marriage has impact. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, if, if that wasn't the situation, then 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 talk about it. But otherwise, I feel like we we can well not us, but in generally, I feel, generally people celebrate relationships, and I'm just saying like, what the How do people got to put relationships in it and everything? What? <laughs> what Stand alone. Stand alone. Listen. No. Listen. Well, I'm thankful for my friendships. All of my all of my friendship relationships. Has brought me to where I <laughs> where I am right now. But in other news, I think we have another tournament to cover. We have two more. Two. So you got somewhere to <laughs> Y'all know I was hangry last week. <laughs> this week is no different. <laughs> well, we can't help the breaking news from that today. Um. So first, the first breaking news, we have some deaths to report. The first death, and Donna clearly does not really. I'm not gonna uh, say you ain't got to throw me under the bus. I'm not. Talk about um, it. Prince Philip passed away this morning at the age of 99. We know that he is the husband to Queen Elizabeth. 
in England, um, in the, you know, the royals, the royal family. So, you know, they lost a grandfather, a, a dad, a grandfather, a great-grandfather today. Um, and we know that he's been instrumental in that royal family and bringing it back to the forefront. So, we just, you know, recognize his death. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. There's also some controversy with him being racist and saying some things and that he shouldn't have said. So, you know, we just what their belief is on therapy. We're going to leave that there. Well, they told Megan that they can help her. So <laughs> you, you know what their stance is. I'm just saying group therapy is a thing. I just wonder. Yeah. I mean, but reports are that the queen knew he was passing and all those things. But we're going to leave that there. We're going to recognize that Prince Philip passed away today. Mm-hmm. Then on a much sadder note. I don't want to say much sadder, but more affecting us. Much uh, sadder. You said what you said. Earl Simmons, a.k.a. DMX. Somebody said Dark Man X. I'm like, I thought it was Dog. Dog Man Tommy X. Buns. Uh, you ever watch Belly? Yes. I saw right. Belly when I was in third grade. I'm going to watch Belly. I, sna- I snuck and watch it in my, um, in my best friend house at the time in third grade. Uh, DMX passed away today at the age of 50. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that um, he's been in a coma and on life support all week he had an overdose which led to a heart attack um and we know addiction and i think i think the hardest status is to read where like don't do drugs and it's like when you don't understand addiction mm-hmm. and you haven't studied it or you haven't lived through it or lived with somebody with addiction it's hard for you to speak to it and so it's mm-hmm. it's not fair for you to speak to it if you really don't know, because I can tell you all day long, don't do drugs. But if you're having an addiction, it's deeper than it. Right. Because it's not really just the drugs. You're, addic- you're not even addicted to the drugs. Like, mm-hmm. we could be honest. Right. Um, And so, you know, prayers up for his kids and his family. Like, he had little kids. Mm-hmm. He had little kids. Um, They are going to you know, have to grow without their dad being here physically. Like, his legacy, definitely. But not mm-hmm. him here physically. Right. Um, his fans, his family, you know. Those who were really connected to him, we, we are definitely keeping them in prayer. And we were talking about um, why the celebrity death hurt so bad for, like, people that didn't know them. Because mm-hmm. even for us, like, I was moving throughout the day today, and I'm like, but why do I feel heavy? Mm-hmm. It's like, because DMX died. Like, I feel heavy, like a right. grief, like a, a grievance. Like, I feel grieved. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were saying something, and I told you to wait for the podcast. So what were you saying? What was I saying? Um, You're saying something about the music and the I think, connection. I think that people, right, I was saying, my thought was that I think that people are connected to people's music and how people made them feel. Because, you know, we always say it's not about, um, it, it's always about how people make you feel. So just think about the music. For me, I think about, like, what certain songs of his made me, like, was a time in my life or um, specifically DMX. I remember being introduced to DMX on the cassette tape that my brother had. Um, and my brother is, I want to say, how old am I? Let me see. My brother is maybe 10 years older than me. I didn't know your brother was that much older than you. Mm-hmm. He is about 10 years older than me. Okay. Um, my brother in his 40s. Um, And I remember, like, I always felt like DMX reminded me of my brother. Like, I always felt that way all the time. Um, But then, like, some of his music, I just feel like, and I don't know if this like, I wonder if we're going to think about this. Like, oh, remember that 2000s music? Like, I don't really think of 2000s. I just think about, like, the 90s and, mm-hmm. like... Well, I guess DMX was out in the 2000s. But, like, I really think about how the music made me feel and how, like, even seeing him going through stuff through the years. Like, you know, we saw him and, and we saw the transition that he's had with, with his addiction throughout the years and interviews and stuff. I think that now, since we see people and we know how they made us feel through their music or whatever, we feel a connection to them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because 
like we have favorite artists, we have favorite singers, and when they they seem to like, like we feel close to them, mm-hmm. like going to concerts and learning lyrics. And at this time, we was pulling up lyrics on our phone, learning DMX, yeah, and, and I think that we were like raised on, like you know, what I mean, like right. we can't, like I can remember being in eighth grade and in the schoolyard, mm-hmm. and I had my DMX like playing it, like right. we talking about like about three kids, right? Like, you know what I mean, like. <laughs> And I think I think summer summer's always been up on music. So mm-hmm. summer introduced me to DMX, Eve, the Rough Riders, like right. You know what I mean, like and the Eve from Philly. Right, I also it was feel like that was connection. connection. Right, right, right. And it was just like you know his to your point, like he was the soundtrack of our childhood. Like he was mm-hmm. a part. If we was to make a, a playlist of our childhood, right. In our you know our you know high school years, all mm-hmm. those things like DMX would definitely have several tracks right in there because that's who we grew up on. Yeah. Um, I think I find solace in the fact that he knew the Lord. Like DMX mm-hmm. would pray. Like no matter what his battles were, he would he would pray. He would right. he would he would send a prayer up. Like he right. knew the Lord. And I think sometimes we just battle with stuff. And like right. and sometimes and I don't even think he lost the battle to addiction. I think and I was telling you this earlier. Like sometimes God just calls us home because come come take your rest. Like right. you did a lot. You you obviously can't get over this part, but right. I can bring you home and give you some rest. Right. And we don't know. I mean specifically i don't know how long dmx has been uh how long he was sober how long he was addicted but he did do an interview saying that someone introduced him to when he was maybe a child 14 i think he was 14 and someone introduced him to that this man was 50 Mm -hmm. so you mean to tell me the drugs with the money with the fame with the women you know, mm-hmm. Brenda, Lakeisha, <laughs> like all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't I don't know all the names, but y'all know right, all right. the like all the women. He was married. He had fifteen kids. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot. He filed for bankruptcy mm-hmm. um, a few years ago. Like just all the things that he had to that he went through in his life. Um, he was addicted. He has been addicted for more, more than, than he's right. been, not been addicted. Right, exactly, right. exactly. And so when you think about that, like, yeah, we want him to be here for us. We want him to, mm-hmm. you know, we want to see clips of DMX. We want to know that he's okay right. and alive. But it's like, at the end of the day, like, the same guy that he serves, we serve. Right. And if God made a promise to us that, you know, he's our father, he's this and he's that, it's the same promise he made to DMX. So it's like, sometimes you just got to go home. Yeah, I definitely And it's think. sad and it's tragic and it's, you know... It's it's a shame. Mm-hmm. It's a shame, but at the end of the day, like his promise is still our promise too. So it's like, right? You yeah. know. And I think we don't. I mean, and I'm so like glad that it was a lot of celebration of his life and mm-hmm. of him being like such a legend and such mm-hmm. an impact on people's lives. Like, I'm glad I got to see him in concert. Like, mm-hmm. because a lot of times, you know, I don't. You don't see people. Well, DMX kind of, you know, was lived in and did music through a couple of. Um, a, a few years, decades, so right. but a decades, lot of times, right? Decades, but a lot of times we don't get to see. Like I didn't get to see Ali in concert. Lord mm-hmm. knows that was my that was my right. You know, but we didn't get to see her. Like I didn't get to see her when she died. I was like ten, eleven, but I got to see DMX. I got to like experience him, and mm-hmm. we have so much more like uh video and memories and, and things that we can like look back on and just take so many gems from things that he said mm-hmm. things that he's done because he just, was wise right he, he was, was wise. so wise and, and, I a, think and that, a prophet and and i don't think people i think when everybody thinks about prophets they think about church but like you know marvin Gaye was a prophet mm-hmm. like you know all these um the poets i can't think of his name um the revolution will not be televised i can't think of his name mm-hmm. but they were poets you mm-hmm. know what i mean like and prophets they were prophets and, and, and DMX was a prophet. Like, anytime you could speak to future events or speak, like, you know, past your years, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, 
to your point, I'm glad we are celebrating. We're going to choose to celebrate his life on the podcast. Our yes. um, feel good song of the week is going to be one DMX song that we agree on because we got so many. Like right, we sitting here like, what about this one? What about this one? Anthem, um, back in one piece, uh, slipping, and I think slipping really. So like. I can say this, like, my mom, like, Phyllis Hyman and them, when she, before she committed suicide, she had a lot of music that was, like, dark and, like, mm-hmm. was telling her story. And I think when you really listen to, like, songs like Slipping, mm-hmm. like, I pray that I make it to see my kids do better. Like, right. I, you know, I know I got these struggles and I've been through a maze. He talks about, like, it feels like a maze. Right. And, like, that's really, like, probably what it felt like his entire life. Like, if right. you got introduced to crack at 14, right. this head that had felt like a maze to you. Mm-hmm. But he said, I feel like better days are coming. Right. And so, you know... Sometimes we just got to listen to the music and really listen to it and listen to the lyrics and not just be like, oh, let me bump this. We're going to turn it up real loud. Like, listen right. to what they're saying because I, I think that he spoke his whole story. Right. And that's what I love about certain people in their artistry. Mm-hmm. They're like, you literally, like, they're they're talking their truth. They're right. speaking their truth through their music. Right. That's why I'm always, that's why I'm always singing because, you know. <laughs> oh, Lord. I did, we did a soundtrack today and Donna was singing her singing. I'm like, girl. I ain't saying girl. <laughs> <laughs> always got to sing, okay? It wouldn't be an episode if I didn't sing. But that's our current events for the week. Um, you know, we are low-key, like, devastated over DMX. But it is what it is. We're going to celebrate his life moving forward. All right, sis. So you ready to jump into our first segment? Let's get it. I got a story to tell. Do you have a story to tell this week? Mm-mm. Nope. This week is about Sarah Ashley, honey. Okay? You hear me clapping my hands? This week is about Sarah. I ain't got no stories. This whole week about Sarah. And we just gonna leave it there because Sarah did what? So, y'all. Clear your throat. <laughs> <laughs> I... Did we talk about this on the podcast last, last week? Did I was taking the test? You did. So, y'all. So, on Monday, I took the National Counseling Exam which is called the NCA. And Donna knows that since the first day of class, doc, orientation. You was at orientation? Maybe. So y'all was there. Dr. Wiley, shout out to Dr. Wiley. He, like, talked about this test. Like, we had to take it. We had to pass it. You got to take your test. You got to take your test. You got to take your test. You got to become an LPC. Like, he, like... Oh, like I, that was like more important than like anything. Anything. Lord, take your test. 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 Right. Like it was like take your test. Um. So before we could graduate, we had to take um something like a comprehensive exam mm-hmm. to graduate, which he said would mirror the NCA. Did it? <laughs> no. I'll talk about that. Though. Um. This test was so hard. I don't know where Dr. Wally pulled these questions from. I felt like the whole entire test that Dr. Wiley gave us was in Spanish. I feel like he made it up. Low-key, I feel like he made and it up. I am up, not like, in Spanish at all. So to your point, Donnie, yes. He made it up. He made this test up, y'all. When I tell you <laughs> the stuff that was on this test, like, for example, it would be like, sidebar, right? Y'all know how, like, y'all, y'all, you know certain stuff is going to be on the test. Like, it's like, all right, anything that got, like, a list of something. No, First like, of all, you know, any Dr. Wiley test we took the whole two years we were in school... Nothing that we studied was ever on his test. Because <laughs> normal professors put stuff on the test that's like, 
Tell me about the signs, the symptoms, like things that you can like list, things that you need to know in order. Like, you know, you know how tests are, the main, the main point. Dr. Wilder would take the last sentence, the second to last sentence from the paragraph at the bottom of the page that had nothing to do with the signs, symptoms or anything and put it on the test. Like, sir. So <laughs> that's, that's a Dr. Wally test for you. So the day we had to take that comprehensive test in grad school, I immediately went to the bar. I'm not going to hold y'all. I was sick. I remember being sick. Donna had day. COVID probably back then. I think that was, that was, Donna was had in COVID. February. Donna had COVID before COVID, COVID was, was COVID was COVID. That was in February. Um, and we didn't get it though. Thank God. It wasn't really COVID then. You, it, you had all the symptoms of COVID. I was, <laughs> <laughs> she was, sis was dead. Um, but we went to the bar. Like, I went to the bar by myself. Like, I didn't even ask nobody. Usually, I'd be like, Donna, you trying to run out? You ain't say nothing. I ain't say nothing. I just went straight to the bar because I felt like in that moment, y'all, I had no other choice but to drink my sorrows away because I knew that I had failed the test and that I probably was not going to graduate grad school. That's where I was with it. Um, and my other classmates met me there and we, you know, drank our sorrows away that night and then we got, we bounced back the next day and was like, all right, well, if we got to take it again, we got to take, take it again. again. Right. Um, so I say what they say, the anxiety around this test, right? The anxiety around this test, like it's from orientation two years ago, all throughout grad school. Like it almost was like, if you don't take the test, it ain't no point in you being in this program. Mm -hmm. Like that's how much it was like pushed on us. Um, and so I'm like, all right, I'm going to take my test. Like I decided that I always want the sprinkles. Like that's something that people need to know mm -hmm. about me. Like I always want the sprinkles. If I'm going to do something, I want to do it big mm -hmm. i want the sprinkles and not so much party wise like i'm not that person that's gonna get dressed up and let's like, get all fancy not that type thing but like if i'm going to go to grad school i want to get all eights mm -hmm. if i'm going to graduate grad school i want to get my lpc if i'm going to be nominated for an award i want to win the award i'm nominated for i just don't want to walk away with the nomination like mm -hmm. i want to win i want the sprinkles um so i was like all right i'm gonna take this test like i want the sprinkles my ma my master's degree is cool but i know what i want i want my own private practice i'm gonna be able to you know practice therapy i want some more money i want some more letters behind my name i knew what i wanted so i scheduled i started the process of scheduling the test yeah so that was like a headache within itself because it was like navigating those websites like oh you gotta go here then you gotta go here then you gotta pay your money here Mm -hmm. Then they got to email you back and then you got to send your transcripts to this person. Um, and then my transcripts weren't good enough. So I had to like get my official transcripts from like the national, um, what do you call it? Clearinghouse. Clearinghouse. So once I did all that, um, it took about six to eight weeks from the time I paid to the time I actually got to schedule my test. So they sent a link to me with all these different dates I could choose. And I didn't pray about the date I chose. I just was like, I tried to choose February. But when I went back to do it, it already got filled up. Mm -hmm. So the literal next date was April 5th. Then no March. <laughs> no March. So I was mad because it was like January by that point, right? You don't know because I didn't tell you. I don't point. know. <laughs> I think I went to pay for it in November. By this point, it's January when I finally got the schedule. I might have paid for it at the end of November. So it's like the beginning of January. Because remember that first week of January, I was doing everything. Like I was oh, like, yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah, I'm yeah. accomplishing my you goals. You know, first week in January 2021, yeah, she was out here. I was on it. Um... So I scheduled, I tried to do February, that didn't work. So the next date was April. I was mad because it was no March. So April 5th is the date I scheduled my test. I told like three of my friends, I think. I think I told Courtney. I told Dr. Heath. And I probably told Dr. Wiley. And Soroya. My friend Soroya. Mm -hmm. So I told them. And I was like, just keep me accountable. 
Mm-hmm. Just hold me accountable. I told that I didn't tell Doctor Wiley to hold me accountable because he like girl. I would never even ask Doctor Wiley right. to hold me accountable because he's not right. He was just proud that you scheduled the test. Yeah. And so I didn't really study like for that's January. So right, I'm like I'm not going to pick up this book and read none of this because mm-hmm. March is April is so far away. Right. And next thing I knew it was is March, and it's like oh, oh shoot, she better study. <laughs> so next week Donna told y'all that I was drunk when I told her the day I was taking my test, but. I wasn't drunk. I knew exactly. I was telling Shari. We was on the deck, and I was telling Shari. And I told. I turned around. I was like, Donna don't know, but I'm. This is the date. I don't think it slipped. No, you it, told me before you said it. You told me when she wasn't there. Okay. I don't remember that part then. Okay. Because you was. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I told. I finally told Donna like in March. I told you right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told Donna in March, um, and I started studying really in March. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. I studied and I started really like binge studying and like really like staying up late and studying. Like I felt mm-hmm. like I was in grad school again. Like I was getting mm-hmm. coffees. I was getting red. I always drink red bulls, but I was like mm-hmm. getting the red bulls to stay up. Like I was getting snacks and everything else. And um, I felt like that week prior to leading up to taking the test, everybody wanted to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, can you ride with me here? Oh, can you come here? Oh, let's right. meet me here. And it's like, no, I'm studying. Right. I'm studying. Like, and I felt like I was missing out. Mm-hmm. And so when people ask you, what have you sacrificed? Like probably my social life, like probably for a week, girl. Not even a week, but it was it's like two weeks. Okay, okay, two weeks. But still, that like that's some people a, don't that's have a lot that. for you. It's not that's that a lot like, for you. It's no, not it that is. it's a lot. It's not that it's a lot for me, but it's like other people don't have to sacrifice anything. Like their life is just their life. Like I feel like, and it's just not with the test. It's like with me being who I am, me doing dare to hope. It's like I can't always do everything. Like so, it is a sacrifice. I mean. Normal people can't do everything. I mean, anybody can't just do everything. Did it feel like a sacrifice because those are things that you normally are able to do? I would normally do. I would normally be able to meet anybody. And it's not about even just going out. It's about, like, little stuff. Like, doing stuff. Like, not being able to stay at Sydney's house when she had the Easter egg hunt for the kids. Like, because Mm -hmm. I had to study. Right. So, it was not even about, like, you know, I was missing out on family time. Not even about, like, hanging out. It was, like, more so family time because I knew that I had to study. Like, this test is coming. So, I can't. I can show my face here, mm-hmm. but I can't stay and do all these extra stuff because right. I have a test on Monday. Right. Um, so I was I was studying like, but I just knew the Lord like was on me because then I started getting through them chapters like, <laughs> like I'm like, dang, I did them chapters today. Like, right. It started like, like not even to the point where I was like, not even. You know how you get tired of reading? Mm-hmm. I started breaking them chapters down bit by bit. And when I, I was separated, and when I got to the end of where I separated, I'm like, I can do a couple more pages. Right. And I got to the end of the pages, like, I can do a couple more. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, and then when I started getting delirious, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go to sleep. Right. But it was like, I knew that guy had me because it's like, girl, you got through that whole half of that book right. in like two weeks. And so I knows it was a struggle during Oh, and I told school. Mock too. I told Mock too. Um, so Mock held me accountable. Mock would even come to Kelly Drive with me a couple days and help me study. Um, so yeah, so Monday came of the test and I'm like, I woke up and I'm like, you know how you feel that little anxiousness like, right here, like trying <laughs> to rise up. So I felt it for him and like, oh, you probably gonna fail. This is like, I just felt, even the night before, like I was scared to go to sleep because I knew the next day was like, I had to take the test. Like so it was you, Sunday, it was Easter. I was like, oh, I don't want to go to sleep. Like, cause I wake up, I'm going to take the test. Like, yada, yada, yada. And I think I told my siblings, like, I just wanted to be this time tomorrow so I know if I pass or fail. Mm-hmm. But then I Googled it that night. I was like, when do you get your test scores back? And it said, one or two weeks. So then I kind of felt relieved because I'm like, well, 
We knew that it. That's not. I didn't right. know. I didn't know when you get your test scores back. I didn't. I thought it was automatically. That's no. what I thought we. And, it and when new. I googled it, and it said one to two weeks, I was like, okay, well, and that was on the actual NBCC website. Mm. I feel like that's why they told you to get it back immediately, and so did Malika. She told us like I feel like she said it immediately. Yeah, this was years ago. But um, so then Monday I woke up and I felt the little anxiety trying to rush in, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna do what I normally do on Mondays. I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna make my breakfast. I'm going to watch. The view. I'm going to do all these things that I normally do. I'm mm-hmm. going to make my move make a Monday video, and I'm just going to relax like it's a normal day. Mm-hmm. Um, my playlist ranged from um, "Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus" to uh, "What We Do" by uh, Freeway. <laughs> <laughs> That's the range of my playlist that morning. Balance. Um, and I just believe God. Like I just was like, all right, God. Like I know I'm not going in here by myself, so let's let's do it. Like mm-hmm. I said, hey, let's do it. It's too like if I right. fail, I fail. But I, I I I believe that you're with me, so like let's do this. Right. Um. When I got to the test, that was all like a whole like I felt like I was in the army because mm-hmm. it was like take everything out your pockets, take everything out this bag. Um. I had to do these handprints like five times on each mm-hmm. hand. Um. They checked my glasses to make sure like nothing was in my glasses. Mm-hmm. Um. It was just like scary. So even when I took my picture, y'all was like, "Why you look like that?" Because I'm like, I didn't know what was next. Like, right. it was like you look like so me. I'm like, okay. I didn't know. Like I was. She mm-hmm. was like sitting sitting in that chair, and it's like I don't know where her camera was. If it was on her computer, if mm-hmm. it was like, but I didn't see a camera. Like right. I didn't see one. Of those, so like I didn't know she was taking a picture. Right. It was like click click, and she was like, okay. And I'm like, okay. Right. So then, like, I went into the testing area. He checked me again with the handprints and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. I had to lock my stuff in the locker. You can't have nothing in your pockets. Like you had the bunny ear in your pockets. Mm-hmm. Um, I had braids right now, so I had to lift my braids up, and he had to check around my neck. Like mm-hmm. it was a lot. What in the airport? <laughs> right, like what in the not even airport? Like I just feel like what in the what jail? I don't know jail. <laughs> like I thought I was about to take my shoestrings out and squat or something. I don't know. Um, so I got to the computer where it is like everybody in the testing area is taking a different test. Like maybe like I some guy some guy's computer screen like was math on there. I'm like, what is he taking? Um, so I sat down like you got a camera above you. They're they watching you take the whole test or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the test is 200 questions. So question 75, I'm like already tired. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> enough is enough. Um, so I went through everything. The questions I didn't know, you can flag for later. And so I went back and did the questions that I didn't know. It was about 10 of them, 10 or, 10 or 12 of them that I didn't know for sure. Like I didn't know at all. Mm-hmm. And so it got to the math part. You know, I have never been, ever been good at math. Even in statistics, research methods, I was just never... Undergrad, just never good at math. Um, I literally start praying to God when I had the math question in mm-hmm. front of me. Like, after I did the whole test, and now I'm reviewing the ones I didn't know. Right. And then I'm like, I'm praying to God. And I'm like, you know what? I have ancestors. <laughs> Somebody has to be a mathematician. Somebody somewhere in my bloodline right. knows math. And I say, I, I, I'm, I need you. Whoever knows math, ancestors, <laughs> I need you right now. Right now. Help me pick the right answer. Um, where's the great cloud of witnesses? I was like, somebody is watching somebody. me take this test right I'm now, and I need you guys to show up. Um, so I did it. I was like, oh, well, whatever. It's over. So did you try to work out these math problems or what? Like, well, you got to know how to do it to work it out. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? I didn't you know where to start. Mo? I didn't know where to start. So it was it? I literally prayed and was like, God, tell me when to stop. <laughs> B C D E F G. Um, so. But God is dope. So when I left out, the guy was like, the lady at the front will have something for you. And I'm like, next step instructions. Because I still don't think I'm getting my test right. 
So she prints it out and like I see my picture on the top of the paper and I'm like, so she hands me the paper. She's like, congratulations. And I'm like, I passed. She's like, yeah. I was like, I passed. <laughs> she was like, yes. I was like, I passed. Like, I was like, oh, oh, okay. Oh shit. Like, okay. Right. So I'm like, got my stuff out the locker. I'm turn because you had to turn your phone off in front of her so she can see that the phone's off and you had to put it in the locker. Um, so I cut my phone and I took a picture of it and I sent it to all y'all. Like mm -hmm. I sent it to my parents, my sibling, Jew, mm -hmm. Dr. Wiley, Dr. Right. Heath, like I just like Dr. Scott, I just sent everybody yeah, it. Yeah. And I asked my uncles and so um my cousins. And so I'm like I'm the whole time I'm to the elevator, I'm like crying like God, thank you. Like I right. I'm I probably still am in amazement, y'all. Like right. because like I know we got our master's degrees, but like this is like I don't want to say bigger, but like bigger almost. Like, it is. It's the it's next bigger. Step, right? Yeah, like it's bigger than the master de master's degree. So to do it on the first try, to do it, um, not really like knowing everything, like mm -hmm. not knowing everything about like the research and the math part. I mm -hmm. think that just was like, okay, God, like I, right. you know, and even to be the person in there can guide y'all. Like mm -hmm. this is how you do it. Like mm -hmm. this is what you study. Um, I think there always has to be like, I don't want to say a sacrificial lamb, that's not the right term, but there always has to be somebody that can guide the next person. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just grateful. Like, and I hope for the best for my, you know, for y'all, for my cohort. Like I want mm -hmm. every, all of us to get our, yeah, our license. Like, you know what I mean? I want mm -hmm. all of us to pass our test. So yeah. So that's my story of passing my test. Woo woo. I was yeah. trying. So y'all know that I be twerking, right? <laughs> like just, JK, JK. But so when we celebrated it, I'm like, oh, oh, you're not going to twerk with me, Sarah? She like, I don't twerk. I'm like, oh, come on. Because y'all not going to handle rhythm. So Shake it. Up. Like, like, so when you, like, so excited, like, video. you don't dance. Like, no. you don't be like, oh. Like, no. when you excited? No. I... What do you do when you're excited? Pour some champagne. But like, like, alright, so when the music come on and you feeling it, like, and you excited and you celebrating, what do you do? I don't know. I vibe to the music. I don't dance though. So you just you just nod your head and snap. Yeah, like, like not snap. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, grandma. What you no, do? No, I don't dance though. Like I really don't. It's not that I'm like stiff as a board, but I don't. I don't be dancing. I don't know how to dance, so it's like that's not my go-to. I don't dance, but it's just like a groove. Like when you feel it, like your I knees don't like, bend. I might bow my head. Like I might what about put my drink in the air. What and be do like, your oh. knees do? Like they do it right now. Like what they <laughs> like? Why my knees gotta move? Are you? <laughs> what do you mean? Why your knees gotta move? So like back in the day, your parents didn't like groove. No, my parents and, like, dance. They move. bop. They do, do you it. Move your hips. I don't have no hips, Donna. Okay. Okay, y'all. Why are you getting mad? Cause I don't dance. Like, because why? I just, why is that a problem for you? I wanted to tell them how I was like, ow, ow. and what did I do? I had my champagne. And I'm like, yo, oh, you let's standing go. there like. Mm. <laughs> I just want like to why know. do why does dancing have to equate to excitement? Because we black. No, I y'all. What you want me to be a jigaboo and shuck and jive for these? If that's how you feel, no, I don't. I'm not nothing wrong with dancing. I just don't have any rhythm that hasn't been my go-to celebration, um, type of celebration. So, got you. But anyway, I passed my NCE, y'all. Woo woo! Turn up, so turn up. Donna said she doesn't have a story to tell. This week. I said I said that this week was about Sarah. So all of our stories, all of our everything was about Sarah. How she's feeling, how she dealt with it, how she 
like the feelings, the anxieties, because you told us about it. You told us, you know, some anxieties that you yeah. had. I definitely, I definitely had anxiety, but I also made the choice to not feed that anxiety that morning. Like I felt like if I feed this anxiety, if I like get scared, if I like allow it to take over, then it's going to take over and it's going to have an effect on the test. So I made the decision to choose like peace, like enjoy, and like. I'm gonna I'm put my AirPods in and I took a lift down there. Like, I was purposefully like trying to re reduce every piece of stress, like finding parking, mm -hmm. all of that. Like, I was like, I'm gonna take a lift down here. I'm gonna listen to my music the whole time. I'm going to down here and like before I get there. Um, so, I just chose to feed peace and joy and like either way is victory, kind of like if I mm -hmm. pass it and if I take it and fail, then at least I know what to expect. So next time I take it, I won't be as anxious. Mm -hmm. And if I pass it and I pass, if I take it and I pass, then we pass. Right. Um, but I definitely chose to kind of do my normal routine versus like, oh my God, I'm not going to take the test. Like I'm sweating. Right. I'm not like, I didn't want to be overwhelmed. Right. So I chose to kind of like suppress that piece and like mm -hmm. feed. You're okay. Right. You're safe. All your needs are met. You're smart. You still have a master's degree. If you right. fail, you fail. Right. If you pass, you pass. But try to also feed the part of like you're gonna pass, you're gonna pass, you're gonna pass. Right. And not the doubt of maybe you might fail. Mm -hmm. So that's what I chose to do. Right. The faith over the fear. You already yeah. know. But I was scared as hell. Don't think I wasn't scared going into that. Right. I mean, test. we always we always scared. We always but do it scared. That, that, right. Do it scared. Do it scared. The faith is over the fear because again, we know that faith and fear can cause us at the same time. Mm -hmm. And your faith can be larger, your faith can be greater, you can have that over over the anxiety, right. the fear, the scaredness. I mean, and the possibility, because there there's always a possibility. And the thing is, like failure is not necessarily a bad thing. That, right. Because if you if you never failed, that means you never tried. Right. right? Because if if literally everything you've done you've succeeded at, then then either your goals aren't big enough or you're just you're not, you know, basically your goal is not big enough. Mm -hmm. If you're doing things that you consistently can pass, can pass right. in. Um, and I guess to add, to add me in since you know, this is about you, but um, I feel like that's something that I feel like I've consistently done. I feel like my dreams have always been, not to say I haven't had like big dreams, but I feel like I've never been like afraid of something that I wanted to do. Like I always, I don't know if it's like a good thing or a bad thing. Like, am I not dreaming big enough because I know I can get to these goals or do I just have that much faith that I like, you know what I'm saying? Cause like even certain things as far as like something like a dream car or a dream house, like I've never really like, I never wanted to live in a mansion. Like, I mean, most people do, but like, I never wanted to live in a palace. I feel like my dream house was something that was like a it, it seemed more attainable. It never was like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared to be able to, to afford these things, like, or a dream car. I don't think it was so much the fear of doing it, it was the fear of failure. Like, I mm -hmm. think it, that was the thing. Like, it wasn't... But what are, you what are you afraid of failing for? Because I didn't want to be disappointed. I know what disappointment feels like. Mm -hmm. And so it was more so the disappointment that would have came with the failure versus the failure, too. Like, I wasn't scared to go and take the test. Like, the test was the test. The, the fear came in because I didn't want to fail. And if I knew if I failed, I would be disappointed. Okay. And I think that was the piece that kind of was holding that little part of me that was like, mm -hmm. you know how disappointment feels. Right. And you don't want to feel that disappointment. Like, you right. know what I mean? Nobody wants to be disappointed. Nobody. Right. Um, I think disappointment hurts more than, like, anything. Like, so I just didn't want to be disappointed. Like, I wanted this. So, I wasn't afraid to get it. I'm, I am I paid my money. Like, I'm not afraid to do this. Right. But I, I am afraid of being disappointed. 
Right, and that's fair. I feel like most most people are. Because mm-hmm. we don't so. want we don't feel that, but you know that that piece is necessary just in general in life. Mm-hmm. Because if you're never disappointed, if if you're never disappointed, if you've never failed, then you haven't tried. Mm-hmm. And I also realize that disappointments can't remove me from my destiny. So whether I'm disappointed because something didn't go right or if I would have been disappointed because I failed the test, does that mean I'm not, never going to be a therapist? No, it can't remove me from my destiny. Like, if mm-hmm. I'm destined, if God has a written for, for something to happen in my life or for me to be whoever he wants me to be, nothing that I'm disappointed in can remove me from that destiny. Right. It might, you know, I might take another role. I might have to try again. But the disappointment itself can't remove it, my remove me from my destiny. Mm-hmm. So either it wasn't meant to be and it's something else better. Right. Or you got to try again. Right. So, I mean, practically we can see it, but in the moment the feeling is still real. Mm-hmm. So. True. That was my story. Ooh, it's ooh. over. I feel so relieved. I feel like I ain't got to look at, Not that I don't have to look at that book again, because I, I do want to look mm-hmm. at it and, you know, keep, be fresh and, you know, we still got to take ongoing classes to, to maintain a license once I get it. But, you know. It's the biggest relief because it's the biggest, that's the hardest part. Right. The, and the hours are the easy on, part. Right. Yeah. I guess it depends on who you ask. <laughs> no, the hours are the easy part. You think so? The test, I feel like hours going to come. If I got to go get a job at a freaking place where I got to be somewhere all day, I can get the hours. Like, it ain't, yeah. you know, it's my preference of what I want to yeah. do. I feel, see, for me, I feel like the test is more like... I feel like the not that the hours is more. It's a lot of hours. Difficult. It's a lot of hours, and I feel like it's a lot to like. It's a lot of sacrifice because it's over a long period of time to have to get it. Like your test, you study for what we a couple of months. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like the test is like all right. You study for the test, you take the test. Even if you have failed, you take the test again. Whatever the case may be, hours is like years and people and, and diagnosis. What do you mean a year and a like, half? Huh? You can get it in a year and a half. I don't think. Is that the, is that the, um, you can get, get 3,000 hours in a year and a half. What I'm saying is, you know, they have requirements on, I don't think it's a year and a half. I think the requirement is a certain amount of time. I think it's more than a year and a half. Yeah, I looked at it. It's a year and a half. You got to get, it's not even 3,004 hours of one-on-one therapy. Right, it's, it's not one-on-one, one-on-one, right. one-on-one therapy, and then it's the other hours of supervision. So it's only, you can do it within a year and a half. It's the shortest right. amount of time you can do, you can it, do it in it? a year and a half. Oh, okay. So, I mean... Get it done. Like, I just feel like if, if our goal is the license, then it's the sacrifice we got to grind. And then once you get your license, then you can make your own hours and see the clients you want to see at the pace you want to see them. But if my goal is to to get my 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 license before I, before I turn 35, 36, well, not before I turn 35, but before I turn 36, then I got to grind. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something I want. I wanted to get my test. I wanted to do my test before the year was out, before it would been a year before we graduated, right? Mm-hmm. It, it hasn't even been a year yet. I wanted to make sure I had my lights, like I passed my test before that year it came to school. Mm-hmm. That we had been out of school for a year. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure I had my my pass my test before then. That was a goal I had, so I did what I had to do. So it's like, I mean, if we don't put dates on goals, we already know that that, that that's just a dream. It's just a random thought. Right. So. Put a date is the plan. That's all you need. Put a date on the plan. Ready for the next segment? Mm-hmm. Don't believe the hype. Don't 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 believe the hype. So I was thinking, right? And mm-hmm. I was thinking about 
a myth about therapists, right? Because we okay. talk about mental health and obviously we're therapists, right? But I was thinking about um, a myth pertaining to therapists when it comes to um, credentials. Because a lot of times I've, I work in community-based health. Um, so um, our therapists in community-based um, environments can be social workers. Mm-hmm. They don't have to have a license in, they don't have to have a master's degree in counseling. They can have mm-hmm. a master's degree in social work. Mm-hmm. I want to say those are the only two, I think. I'm not sure. Can you have a master's degree in something else and be a therapist? Counseling, social work. Mm, I want to say that might be it. Ma- marriage and family therapy. M- MFT. MFT, right. Um, but I see a lot of times people, um, kind of differentiate between a licensure and a non-licensed therapist, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no there's no data that says that a licensed clinician is any more effective. Or I mean, granted, at this point, no one has done any research to say like, oh, therapists who are licensed have more... I mean, obviously they, they have more experience because they have done... They can have more experience because they can have... They could have done the hours, but... Therapists who are licensed versus therapists who are not licensed, um, there's no differentiation between um, effectiveness as a therapist or as in um, education. Because what people don't realize, and obviously if you're not in the world, you don't, you know, if you're not in the therapy world, you don't understand is that therapists, there's therapists out here that have been working as therapists for 10, we know this, Dr. Wiley always say, people work as a therapist forever and get comfortable and don't take the test just because you're not licensed does not mean you're getting any type of any lack in services from a therapist who is not who is not um licensed now you can ask about an experience don't experience is one thing you can always get okay ask a therapist how well, let much me, experience let me say this. they have let me say this it was stuff that i studied that i did not know prior to passing the exam so I don't know if I agree a hundred percent with there's no difference in what the person knows, like education wise, because I like it was stuff we never learned about in grad school. Mm-hmm. But it's like me reading those chapters, like, and my could be my witness. Like we legit did deep dives into what these words meant and what these behaviors were, and like, mm-hmm. so I do think that, and this is just my experience of taking the test mm-hmm. that there is a difference between what I learned May by May third. 2020 and mm-hmm. what I know now. Like, there's right. a difference. Right. Because and, of what I studied. book wise, book wise, right? Well, knowledge. Knowledge. I, right. But this, but have you, pre- but what I'm saying is practicing. So, again, and this is just, this is just like, like, that, there's just no, no data to support that, that a therapist who is licensed has, has any, I mean, granted, how do you really gauge effectiveness per se? You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And we're not talking about doctors of, you know, mm-hmm. we're not talking about doctors. We're just talking about licensed, unlicensed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think there's a, there's a, and I don't have a license yet. I just passed the test. But I think that there is, I can say that I know more. Like, and so as far as my therapy. Because you, know, you studied from the test, not because you passed the test, because you studied the book. But if I didn't book. never take the test, I would never study the book. But that's you personally. And that's just because you, you know what I'm saying? What I'm but saying. But what, what random person would read that whole NCA book if they weren't going to take the test? I mean, we know people. Did you pick the book up yet? Yeah, but we know people that's been studying for years and never, we never, never took the test. Mm. I just don't know if I agree with you. I hear what you're saying. 
I mean, you don't have to agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, know, the studies, I know. I mean, the myth is the myth. It's not. Is yeah. there's no studies that show that someone who who is licensed had. You know what I'm saying? Because again, I know directors of programs who don't have a license. That doesn't make it. When right? I have my, they don't have a license. So does that person? So if you if you get your hours in 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 another year or let's say another half year because we've been out of school for a year, right? So let's say if you get licensed by the end of this year, that would be a year and a half, the time period that we would have had to have completed our hours. You felt like you're like because you are licensed because you took that test and you've been out of school for a year and a half that that. That doesn't necessarily mean that, again, these people who have worked in therapy for years, there's mental health professionals, 5, 10, 15, 20, who has done, pro, you know, different types of things. You know, they have they have more experience. I mean, granted, they might not have read that book, but you know what I'm saying? Like working in substance abuse, working in different areas. I think it's just, it, it's just the grand scheme of things that just because you read the book, you know, it doesn't necessarily compare or it could compare to someone who has been in Substance so, use so, for so 20 the difference years. is that now the stuff I did learn in the book, I can now apply it to my therapy sessions. That's the difference. I'm not, and again, I'm not taking away anybody that plays practice for years and doesn't have a license. But if I was to start a program, like beyond Dare to Hope, or like if I and I needed a program director, I would look for a person that's licensed because I feel like not that you, not that you take it any more serious than a person without a license, but you took that initiative to take that next step. Mm-hmm. Like, and so that's what I would be looking for. Like, right. And but I that know doesn't that necessarily mean that they're more knowledgeable. Cause again, a person can be, you can look at a person and say, Hmm, they graduated in 2020. They, they licensed by 2022. Mm-hmm. They did 3000 hours within that time period at a, at a community based place or whatever the case may be. That doesn't necessarily mean that someone who's worked in the field for 15 years or 20 years and worked in substance abuse, this place, the director of this program, group that all yeah, these so types of experience, things. Experience, I mean... Right, I mean, but, and not to say that they it, didn't get the education piece with it. Not but to say, say that they, they... Right, it doesn't say that either, but does it say that they are applying? Just because you got experience doesn't mean that you're doing everything that you should be doing or you are expanding. Because here's the thing, with the license, you have to continue your education. Mm-hmm. you have to make sure you get a certain amount of credits every year or whatever the case is. Like if I just get my master's, I don't have to continue education. Things change so much. Right. Yeah, and you so do. That's right. The, you that's have to do a certain amount of education. I mean, but again, how many classes we done sat through that we necessarily can't tell you something that, from that class. Right. You know what I'm but saying? But what I'm saying is that there is a higher standard held to the person that does have a license because right. they have to maintain the license. Absolutely. So that you're learning new things where the person that has been a drug and alcohol counselor for 15 years doesn't mean that you're learning anything new. So what you may be implementing from 15 years ago may not be as effective now. Right. But, but if again, I that, 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 that experience a, piece is, is, a whole, is a whole lot of difference because it's not that you're not learning because it depends on what fi- what type of environment that you're working in, like what type of trainings and environment that you're working in mm-hmm. to deal with substance abuse and to deal with those types of things. And I'm not saying that people who are licensed, I mean, obviously the goal is to be licensed and people who are licensed have, um, have t- took a little bit more initiative and, and things like that. But what I'm saying is that there's no necessarily more, there's no data that says, says that these that these therapists that are licensed are necessarily more effective. Again, maybe no one did the research. No one went out there and said that, you know, it's just that life. Now, once you get to doctor, you know, doctor of psychology out here, you know, a little bit different. But as far as like licensed versus non-licensed clinicians, when not taken into consideration, like experience, like, you know, not saying that they have an equal amount of experience or Mm -hmm. trainings because, you know, other things, there's no necessary, there's no necessary difference in that. 
You know what I'm saying? Well, so, just saying. There, okay. There's no... I don't know if I agree with that, but we can rock out. That could be the myth. I mean, it, it is yeah. because it's true. I mean, I mean, we don't have to agree. It's not, I don't think it's necessarily true. We're just saying that we haven't studied it. It's no... It's no it's no it's data, data, to data but that doesn't mean it's true because it's no data. That doesn't make it true. Well, not enough people have done anything to like, say that. Well, it's... we can leave it there. Like, not enough people have did a stu- nobody's done a study on it to say that if it's a difference. So I don't think it's that it's true. It's just that nobody did a study on it yet. So that could be the myth that just we won't have to find out one day. But it's true now. <laughs> it's not true now. It just hasn't been proven either way. It's not true. So it's true. That- no, it's not. It's, if something hasn't been proven either way, if there's a hypothesis, but it hasn't been proven either way, that doesn't make the hypothesis true. It hasn't been studied. It hasn't been challenged. How do you make it true if it hasn't been challenged? Well, if nobody did nothing on it, then we don't that's know. That's not... That's the... We don't know. That doesn't make it true. Right. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All right. Next Next uh, segment. Um, truth is... What's your truth this week, Donna? I've been talking for too long. What's your truth? I was just talking. What is your truth? I just told my whole story. And then I just told my whole myth. Y'all know I got to sing. You didn't have a myth prepared? A truth? Sorry. A truth? Um. Truth is I'm tired. Truth is I'm tired. I don't um, even know the words after that. Options a few. <laughs> um, That's false. Options are plentiful. My truth this week is that whatever you put your mind to, like, don't give up on it. Like, pursue it. I guess, is that a truth? Or is like a word of encouragement? Like, I feel like a lot of times we set goals but we don't put dates on them and it's like sometimes you have to put a deadline on something to make it real and I think for me like that's the truth in my life like if I don't put a date on something it's kind of like not real mm-hmm. it's not real to me um and so whatever y'all want to do in life like I don't care what it is it could be the smallest thing but like put a date on it and then also my other truth is that don't be afraid to ask God for what you want and it's not that God is an ATM, but God is our father. So don't be afraid to ask for what you want or what you need. Um, just don't be afraid to ask. I think that, you know, a, a preacher told me one time that I have not because I ask not. And I think that's the truth for, like, us. And they, and I just like three truths in one. But also, like, they, the and we know this, that, like, the power of, of life and death is in our, what we speak. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think that we need to start speaking more positively about ourselves and about our situations, about our circumstances, about our city, about the violence. Like, if we start speaking um, words that are life-giving, you know, there's power in our words. And I don't think we tap into that enough. Like, even the things that we want in life, what we want to accomplish, like, there's power in how we see stuff and how we speak stuff and what we say. Like today I went to, my cousin took me out um, for lunch today and my little cousin was like, my mom's broke. And I'm like, don't speak that over your mom life. Like mm-hmm. we're not speaking no broke stuff. Like we not, your mom's rich, your mom's wealthy. Like we're speaking life. Right. Like, you know, and even me, like when I was like, oh man, what if I fail? And like my, my gossips were like, you ain't gonna fail nothing. Fail, we ain't talking about failing. Right. Like don't even speak that word. And I think so often we get so comfortable with just like, being that mediocre, being in that mediocre space, or mediocrity, whatever the word is, 
like we get so comfortable being near that we don't challenge like ourselves to go further or like better or be better and we just kind of get comfortable so don't get comfortable speak what you want ask god for what you want and put dates on your goals is my truth like that's that's my truth i guess it's like more my testimony like because mm-hmm. it'll happen it'll happen if you like it'll happen so what's your truth you had truth for all of us <laughs> <laughs> so I was on a roll for truth is for a couple of weeks y'all but this week mm, a little struggling <laughs> <laughs> I'm struggling this week for my truth y'all and it's not that I didn't have a truth because this week has been long, and in the beginning of the episode, um, we didn't ever check in with each other. We didn't. I'm sorry. We didn't. Um, but I feel like a lot happened, and I, I just feel like the way my memory be set up, like again, we be going through like Monday, be like, ooh, this, ooh, that, Tuesday, boom, boom, when, like we get it, and then it's like we here, we like, dang, what, what is all those things that I went through that I realized, mm-hmm. you know, certain things, um, but, um. I realized a couple of things that I'm trying to remember. But one of the things is that, like, I have patience. And I don't know if this was the truth of mine before because I remember feeling this, but it kind of, like, came back up this week. Like, I have patience, but I can't let my patience, like, like you said, like, put a date on it. Like, you can't consistently have patience and, like, wait Mm -hmm. for whatever it is that you're waiting for, like you have to, you have to be decisive in certain things. Right. So a lot of times it's like, we giving ourselves grace. We have patience, like, Oh, don't worry about it. It's going to happen. Or it's going to like, we're going to get to that. Mm-hmm. Whenever that time is that it's like up in la la land, because again, we're in the pandemic, all these things is happening. You know, there's no, there's been a lot of uncertainty just in, in all of the plans that we thought we had mm-hmm. starting May 3rd, 2020. And it's not, you know what I'm saying? Whether mm-hmm. it was regarding to graduation or jobs or family or whatever the case may be. So it's just like, I have so much patience, but I can't, I can't just say like, oh, I'm patient with people or things and not make a decision. I can't just like, oh, now, now the time frame is getting closer mm-hmm. or, or now it's like time has passed and like you have to be decisive in some things. And like, it's not that I'm an indecisive person because I'm very decisive, but sometimes I just feel like I have so much patience that it's just like, oh no, it doesn't matter. I'll mm-hmm. wait. It's cool. Like it's not a rush, whether it's dealing with people or things or like even like my own type of goals or things that I want. It's kind of like, no, sometimes you have to be decisive. You have to make decisions. You have to like not pretty much not have all the patience for people you have mm-hmm. to if it's a person make that person make a decision or right. make a decision without them like you know what i'm saying you can't just um and specifically with dealing with people it's like you can't let because then you let people slide or you let you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like people know that you're this patient person you're going to wait or whatever case may be or these goals that you have are just kind of in limbo because you have patience with them but it's just like no you have to make a decision um so this week, I felt like I had to be a decisive on a lot of stuff that I mm-hmm. felt like I thought I was going to have time to wait on. Like, oh, this, this doesn't happen until the end of April. I have time or I have time. But it's like, no, because a lot of a few times what has happened is I waited. I've had so much patience. Mm-hmm. Wait till you get closer. And then it's just like, boom, now you rushing or now you now you don't know. Is now it you patience have... or is it procrastination? I wouldn't say it's procrastination. I would say it's patience. Just because these are things that are not, they're not time consuming. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's not something that has a date or had, like, you know what I'm saying? Or something that it seems like it could, again, it's like, 
again, this grace period where it's like, oh, you know, whatever, whatever. Or it's not something that you need or you have to have. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's just like, oh, those things just seem like it's just like mm-hmm. kind of just flowing, like whenever, whatever. Um, but just like with them pending, like graduation and mm-hmm. all these things that we have coming up in May, I'm like, yo, May is it's about here. to be a, a right, crazy right, right. month for uh well for me, I'm assuming for you too, like mm-hmm. Um, is the beginning for me. I feel like May starts my summer. So if you see me out in May, <laughs> okay, May start my summer. Sarah start summer might have already started. She in here with this dress and her legs out. <laughs> it was seventy degrees then. It was not no sun in sight. It was, it was still breezy. seventy degrees. I had it a jacket. Was, it was a little. First breezy. of all, I have a turtleneck dress on. Like, can we just be specific about my outfit right now? <laughs> and I have a jacket on over top of this. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do have my legs out, but I also have on tube socks and high top sneakers. Is it a hot girl summer for you? It's probably gonna be a lukewarm. Lukewarm. Okay. Um, I mean, well, my summer, summer don't start. It's a couple May. vacations in there. It's a, you know, in April. No, in May. I'm gonna turn up a little bit this summer. Okay. You gonna be turkey? <laughs> no, no, no turkey. No turkey. But um, yeah. So that's my truth. Summer starts May first. So gotta get May together. I feel like May is just about to be. Is it just me? I just feel like May is about to be crazy. Well, because we really get to graduate. Not really get to graduate because we still can't only have two people, but... I mean, that's still the graduation. I just feel like people are about to be having celebrations, and we're going to be nice outside, and I'm going to need a beach or something. Top mm-hmm. off. you going on vacation. Where are you going? I don't know yet, sis. Oh. I can't wait to see these videos. Let me see your close friends. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's my truth this week, y'all. Um, so, so yeah. yeah, do we have a two minute session? We talked and we're tired. Mm-mm. We talked, we, we, we our talked. session was about therapy, it was about becoming a therapist, and, and that that was our, our um, yeah. Well, I don't have anything else for y'all today, y'all. I'm sorry. Yeah, and my I'll water, spend. my water done ran out. My throat is not water. Okay, miracle. <laughs> <laughs> Turn that John in the wild real quick. <laughs> Water, wine, whatever, <laughs> W words, something. Whiskey. Oh, God. Right. It's Friday, yo. We made it through another week, and it's, it's been a long week. Yes, and I'm a little hangry, per usual. So, yeah, so Donna's going to go get something to eat. I, I've been getting text messages that I need to bring my mom something home to eat. My dad he got his COVID shot today, so now he is milking his arm situation. So, oh. Yeah. Well. So, I'm going to take my mom something to eat. But thank you all for listening to another episode. Wait, what is the DMX song we're going to choose? But maybe we should just go with Rough Riders Anthem. I feel like everybody can relate to Rough Riders Anthem. Yeah. Thank y'all for listening to another week of Black and Therapy. Um, y'all already know what we need y'all to do. Like, subscribe, comment, rate. Yes, all send that the jazz. reviews. All send that. a review. Uh, follow us on Instagram. We promise y'all this weekend we will have our YouTube up and running. Um, our first episode will be up there so you guys can actually view the episode and not just um, hear us. And we always thank y'all for listening. We, um, Every text message we get, every DM we get, like, we just get so excited. Like, we screenshotting it. We send it to each other. Like, yo, yeah, we really so out here with the podcast. Um, so, we really appreciate it. Um, so, thank y'all. We're on all all platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, tune in. Catch this, catch this episode. And share with your friends, too. Like, don't just, you know, keep it to yourself. Right. Put it in your group chats. Yeah. All right, y'all. I have a dope week on purpose. Oh. Something